I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Andy Shep. Producer Dan Wong, great to see you guys. It's Friday, April the 23rd in Toronto. And as always, there's tons of stuff going on in the world of basketball. Um, Some news that came down earlier this week, the Canadian Elite Basketball League pushing their start of schedule back three weeks because of the COVID-19 pandemic that's kind of rocking Canada right now. But we're going to talk some NBA. Shep, Andy, how you guys doing today? Chilling, man. Chilling, chilling, chilling. Another day. Another day of uh, vaccineless Toronto. Uh, <laughs> we're all looking. I think we're all itching to get outside at this point. So it's another day. Well, it's it's nice that the weather's improved a little bit. I went for a walk. I mean, we had snow in Toronto on, I guess it was Wednesday. That was a bit of a shock to the system. But I went for a walk yesterday, and it was frigid the 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 wind just blew my face off and i've been i've been going for long walks you know throughout the winter but man i was uh, had had me questioning my residency in toronto (laughs) april 23rd if my face is still stinging like why do i live here (laughs) andy you lived in syracuse for many years it's the same shit right it's the same shit but you know what as i get older you know your, your your veins your capillaries they start to shrink a little bit you know and just now that, age. That, that cold is just turning into pain as opposed to <laughs> being able to deal with it. So I love that we're having a, an early capillaries reference. That's right. Here's, here's one thing I'll say about our group in this show. We, we don't take days off. Not that any of us have been sick or injured this year, but we have shown up for every show, which leads me to, the Brooklyn Nets. And I've been to, to you guys, to my friends in the outside world who I also talk to on Zoom and on the phone. I've thought the Nets were the prohibitive favorite all year, even before they got James Harden in the, tr- in the three-team deal with Houston and Indiana. But I am just flummoxed right now at what's going on there. As we talk today going into this weekend and i don't know is it two three weeks before the playoffs start hardens out durant is out every time they try to come back they play five minutes and they're out again how has this become the story of the season is 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 there a chance shep that these guys are going to be able to play and are they going to be anything close to a hundred percent I think it's comical that we're even having that conversation because that's been the story of the season, the whole season. And we're still talking about a team that's, you know, tied for first in the East and top four in, you know, in the, in the league uh, entirely. So 
Um, you know, I think Kyrie said it best that we would obviously love to be together and, and get rhythm together and reps together. But at the same time, we'll figure it out as it goes along. I think, you know, when you're looking at KD, he's what he, what he missed about over 30 games this season. But at the same time, he's a guy that's shooting over 60%, over 50% from, you know, two and three respectively and still having a good year. So you would think the fact that he's coming off a, a major injury, um, you know, and hasn't played much games this year, you, he would have taken a hit. But no, he's still playing at a high level. I think for him, it's, it's you know, it's a mix of the season being unique, the health and safety protocols being one side uh, that's been that's held him out. And at the same time, he's still recovering. He, so his body's still compensating from, um, you know, that, that Achilles injury. So I think even, you know, this last, this last one where he got, you know, need in his, in his thigh and just a little contusion there, this is probably something that he would have been able to play through um, if, if this was any other, any ordinary year, but his, but his body's still in recovery mode. And I think that that just goes to show the type of athlete that he is the fact that he really hasn't gotten no rhythm. He really, he really hasn't gotten reps with this new team and still putting up the type of numbers that he has in his play. So I, it comes with the territory, man, uh, being the year that it is, the injuries that they've had, but we're still talking about a team that is a powerhouse with or without those guys. Um, so it's, you know, I, I still think they're favorite, you know, they're still my favorites. Um, and then again, Harden, that injury that he's dealing with right now is, nothing major it's a breather yeah right it's one of those ones ar you know you hamstring or any muscle tear feels like a knife is piercing through your muscle and you have a setback like that that it can trigger at any moment right like any wrong move can do that so it's one of those things that that's something that could be recovered in a week in two weeks uh, and it just needs rest and and i think they'll be fine going forward and i actually think it's funny that you know Kyrie's been the one in the media Kyrie's been the one that we've you know, been hard on over the year, he's played the most games for them and, you know, really held it down consistently. Yeah, I think that uh, it, it is kind of laughable that that we, you know, even consider this a thing for the Brooklyn Nets because, look, KD missed a significant amount of time. He comes back, not only is he averaging 29 points a game, but he comes back to score 17 on a perfect night. So he doesn't miss, even when he misses time, he doesn't miss rhythm with the team. And I think that you can really attribute that to him and, and his time in Golden State where he kind of picked and chose his spots and how he meshed with the team full of superstars already. And I think that, you know, Kyrie having his experiences with Boston, uh, with Cleveland, learning how to fit in with superstars. You know, James Harden has had a slew of guys come through Houston to try to win a championship. So they all have that ability to kind of hide and, and, and camouflage their ego uh, for the betterment of the team. Um, and, you know, I think it's actually a decent time for, for James to get some rest, too. You know, there's only, what, 14 games remaining on the schedule. It's a nice time for guys to get a blow. They're very much in cruise control right now. And I think this might be even a strategic play for Brooklyn. You know, obviously, I think they're getting reps behind the scenes with each other. I think that they're going to make a good push. Uh, the East is obviously not a threat to them in any, any capacity. So once the playoffs start, I think that they're going to be primed and ready to go. Um, and not only that, they just added our guy, Mike James. They just signed yes, our guy, sir. Mike James. They really? Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. You guys have been talking about him all year. Yeah. And, and you know, that just goes to show you the validity. His name holds weight. I mean, he's one of the biggest scoring threats, not only in Europe, but in the world. So that's yeah. going to give them some, some scoring prowess right off the bench, some instant offense. 
that's going to help supplant Kyrie's heavy minutes until the boys certified can get back. And then be, oh, yeah, certified. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen him in his workouts in the summer on Swish Cultures, or, but he's just absolutely cooking guys on one-on-ones. He's an absolute nightmare to guard. So I think that just gives them an embarrassment of riches, you know, and, and even signing him at probably a league minimum at this point, too. So it's really a win-win for both guys. Mm-hmm. AR, you mentioned something there that I hadn't heard and I haven't considered, and that's what these three guys, Harden, Durant, and Irving, can work on while they're not playing behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've, you've worked with Durant and Harden, I believe, as well, when you were in training camp with, with Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously, these guys are so above the majority of players in the NBA. They are so good at the sport. Can you, can you illustrate a little bit about what kind of things they – they can work on behind the scenes that's going to have them in place when they have to play a Philadelphia or a Boston or a Milwaukee in the playoffs? Well, obviously they're going to do their rehab and stuff like that. Obviously they'll be watching a lot of film, but I think at the end of the day, more than anything, it's just the time for them to get some rest. I mean, these, these injuries are, are, are minimal, but I think at the same time with the price tag that they carry, the value that they add to their team, everything is, is, is trivial, you know, in terms of, okay, should we play him? If he's feeling a little bit hurt, it's not worth the risk. They have what, uh, they're not any games behind. They have a 14 game lead from the next team. So it's really no stress. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, having them well rested going into the first round of the playoffs, they're going to get the rhythm back playing whoever they're going to play in the first round, whether it be New York, you know, potentially Charlotte, Washington, something like that it's going to be a breeze for them. So it'll be a nice way to transition in. And then by the time they hit the second round, third round, they'll be rolling into a, a, a really fresh championship caliber team. And the, you know, the other part to that is we're forgetting the NBA protocol is completely different than, you know, just you and I recovering from, from a, a rolled ankle or anything. Oh, like for that. sure. For sure. Cause they have the best at that point. Yeah. You have the best sports science. Um, and as well, you have the best trainers. So mm-hmm. these guys aren't lacking in those areas at all. They'll, they'll be fine. If, if, you know, I think if you had to toss the ball up today and it was a championship game, these guys are playing and they're playing at a high level. Oh, they're, they're not at that. Certainly. They're not at that. They're not, you know, it's not that type of threat. They're not in that type of situation. Again, like I said earlier, they're sitting, you know, atop the East. Um, they've already secured home, their home court advantage, not in any, you know, any worries or any threats there. Uh, you know, I think this is even more incentive, more time for them just to continue to get stronger, continue to recover, continue to be pre- prepared. And we're forgetting, like, these guys have added a, a lot of pieces as the season has gone on. You need to get those guys, you know, the quote-unquote other guys, reps and repetitions and confidence going Great on the stretch too because you're going to need them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, teams defense, the defenses of teams are going to be focused on Kyrie, James, Harden, um, so what are these guys going to be able to do? And you need them to be confident. I know Shaq joked on, on TNT the other night and said, Joe Harris is the MVP of this team. Well, the reality is like, he is, he, you know, for this <laughs> team to be successful, when teams are locked in, doubling boxing ones and focus on, you know, the, the, those stars, you need a Joe to knock down shots. You're going to need a Mike James to come in right now and be as confident as he is on, you know, in, in Europe and a number of other guys, you still have, you know, your Blake down there. That's, all he needs to do is finish now. Blake, mm-hmm. just come in and finish. Um, mm-hmm. It was unfortunate what we've seen with, and just some of the adversities they've gone through. Look at, you know, losing LaMarcus and, and all the other stuff they've gone through this year. So um, yeah, they've gone you know, through it. Oh, yeah. yeah I, 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 
guys, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, and I appreciate it. And I, I believe you're right that these guys can just come in, get their groove going in the first round. But, but then I, I have to ask, why did Harden play in that one game? You know, we, he was coming back from the hamstring and we know that those injuries linger. What was the point in him even playing in that game and possibly that's, re-aggravating it? That's, that's exactly what we were talking about. Like, you can never you can never simulate game speed. So I don't think it's a situation of him, you know, tweaking that or – but I you felt it going at game speed. Um, so that's a sign to him and his body, like, you know what? There's no point in risking. I'll sit it out. Like, if he, if he had completely torn it, you would have seen. Like, naturally, your body would, would have reacted. I think it was more of those things. I hit full speed. I hit a move that I, I probably didn't. I probably didn't in you know in my individual workouts where I control my speed. I control my direction, and so, and felt like, hey, that's still it's still lingering. I'm going to shut James, it down. James is one of those guys who's a hooper too. He doesn't like to miss games. As we know, he's he's been one of the most durable, most mm-hmm. uh, uh, efficient players in recent memory. Out of all the superstars, I think maybe him. Uh, there's only a handful. Maybe him, Dame. Uh, I don't even like missed a significant amount of time. He hasn't missed any significant amount of time throughout his tenure with the Rockets. So I think we have to give credit where it's due. I think that, you know, he's definitely been burned out in the capacity of trying to hold down an entire team, you know, for years on end. So these things are bound to happen. And like I said, the playoffs are around the corner. So I'm sure any minimal injury they're just going to take as a major one at this point to secure championship aspirations. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still on board with the Nets, although I am starting to be a, a little concerned with, with, with what I'm seeing. But there was a game last night, and I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but it, it kind of alters my opinion a little bit. And it was Milwaukee beating Philadelphia, and I thought they handled them pretty well. The, the Sixers made a comeback in the fourth but fell short, and Ben Simmons didn't play. But guys in and out of the lineup is, is part of what this season is all about. Have have the the Bucks been discounted a little bit? They've been flops in the playoffs the last couple of years. They're they're not in first place this year for the first time in a couple of years. They lose five in a row at home, but then they really handled Philadelphia last night. And the Sixers are carrying themselves like they're competing for the you know for the East Championship this year. And a lot of people are on that are on that bandwagon are, are the bucks are the bucks still in the conversation guys like andy do, do you think that they could be a thorn in the side of uh of, of the nets right now i mean i think of course they're in the conversation they're sitting in third in the east and obviously we've established that the east is a is a an inferior conference to the west i think in any position one through eight you're going to have a chance to get to the next round but maybe this is the place that Milwaukee wants to be. Maybe that this is their Raptors year where they're a little bit unheralded. You know, they're, they're not in the spotlight. You know, Giannis isn't getting all the MVP notoriety and attention. I think them coming in under the radar is a good spot for them to be. I don't think they do well with expectations. Um, and then and, and they're playing well down the stretch. The role players are really stepping up right now. And I think they have the opportunity and, and the depth and the roster to really make a good run at the finals. But it's just going to be tough to say. I mean, Philly is playing at a really elite level with an MVP uh, caliber player in Joel Embiid. And obviously Ben Simmons is one of the you know most uh, efficient defenders in the NBA by a long shot. So, you know, having those two guys on your team is, is going to be really difficult to get past them. But 
I think Milwaukee at the end of the day is, is a, is a championship contender in their own right. And, and I think they're in a good position to make a run deep in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I I'm indifferent there. I think Milwaukee is a wash. Like this is when you're looking at today's NBA to be successful in today's NBA, you need two superstars. They mm. just don't have that. Um, mm. And I think what we're seeing from them, we've seen it, you know, over the last couple of years, but when it comes to playoff time, they just don't have enough to compete. And, you know, I love Giannis. I love what he's been able to accomplish. I love the fact that he's really, you know, created a lane for himself. Um, but at the same time, and navigated, it's, you know, coming from Europe and just people doubted him and then creating a space where he's played at MVP, MVP caliber. But at the same time, to me, they don't have star. They don't have another star. And he has too many holes in his game um, for playoff basketball, right? The teams are just they're going to force him to shoot. They're going to be physical with him. And there's nothing on, they, he has nothing to really offset that and doesn't have the tools around him to really um, compensate for that. So are we, are we going to consider Chris, when are we going to give Chris Middleton the respect that he deserves? Is he, is he, is he a bona fide star? Plus Shep, Shep loves Drew Holiday too. Drew no? Holiday as well. He's probably That's the best, a pretty good, not probably the best, but the best two way player in the league in my opinion. That's a pretty good big three. I mean, it doesn't, it's not as good as Brooklyn, but at least they're, playing every game together. I will, I will say this, DG. Yeah, talking big, about... big is the key word in that. You know, they're, they're, they're a bunch of tall guards. Yeah. You know, I think you need that dynamic where you have bigs, you know, your, your perimeter guy with six, seven swing and a dangerous point guard to really compete at all levels. See, and I think that combination there, we're talking about uh, superstar and uh, uh-huh. borderline stars. Star, yeah. And then yeah. you have, you know, Boston that has two superstars. You have Brooklyn that has three superstars of um, who am I missing? But, uh, Brooklyn three, Philly, two superstars. You get to the West, each of those team, teams have two superstars. So it's hard to compete when you have superstar and borderline star. Is Simmons really a superstar though? He's yes. kind of a borderline. Yes. Star. Ben Simmons is a, he's a really superstar. like you. Simmons is up there with Harden, Durant and Ted Acumpo and Bede. I think he is absolutely really? elite. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you. I, mean, I haven't. I, I don't see it. So let me ask you that. This then. So then, is he in the conversation of Drew Holiday? Yes. That, I think that, he's right there, neck and neck with the best two-way player in the league. No, I'm saying, is he better than Drew Holiday? I think, based off of winning percentages, yes. I think the impact that he's had on his team and and the depth that he gives the team in terms of playoffs experience, yes, I think he's better. But to me. I think he's one of the most unheralded players in the league because he's doing whatever he's doing. He's 6'11". I'm he's 6'11", and he's I'm averaging seven assists a game on 15, 15 points and, and eight rebounds. I mean, he's a, he's a walking triple-double. And not only that, you have to, you have to take advantage of his, his, uh, his uh, intangibles. He's a floor leader. Uh, his, his ability is a vis- uh, ability to, to see the floor, um, to lock down one through five. This guy can play one through five. Who's guarding? Kyrie one minute and then stepping in the paint and guarding DeAndre Jordan the next. Like there's nobody in the league that's doing that. So you have to give credit where it's due. And he's, and he's taking on those assignments willingly night after night. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the fact that he can guard one through five, mm-hmm. uh, that takes up for his inability to shoot the basketball Agreed. in my opinion. Right. Agreed. So, uh, and that's where, that's why I say you put him in that superstar category um, that Milwaukee and Milwaukee doesn't have. I, would you, I, w- I would argue to say that if he was on a small market team, he would easily be averaging 25 plus a night. I just don't think that this is his role 
with Philadelphia. And I actually think he's better. He's better on a team with good players because oh, 100%. He disguise his, his he will utilize all his his abilities and his tools. Yeah, you know, with with a lesser than team, I agree with one hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't know if Ben Simmons is your leading scorer that you're going too far in the in the playoffs. I I hear what you're saying about him, you know, playing with with other good players. I just I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing a Philadelphia Milwaukee potential second round series if they finish two three um because those are two teams that have been playoff flops right for the last two three years mm -hmm. and they're both looking for a breakthrough but uh, i feel like first place is super important to philadelphia because they, they they want to avoid um whoever's going to be in this you know they're going to want that that eighth place team whoever it is in the first round and and let hopefully for them, Milwaukee and Brooklyn battle it out in that, in that second round series. I, I think, I think first place is super important to Philadelphia, but I don't so know. I, Philly me. and Milwaukee have so much to prove. You can quote me. Um, Milwaukee. I like quoting you. Milwaukee's not no, getting out of the first round. They're not getting out of the first round. First round. Hot take. Come on. Come on. So you have them losing to one of like Boston or Miami or New York kind of thing. Absolutely. Fellas, can we talk about I think we're sleeping wow. Boston. Boston won eight out of their last ten. I think they're just a sleeper team. Kemba came back. Kemba had 32 last night. I think they're gonna hit the playoffs similarly to Brooklyn in terms of getting all their guys healthy, getting that confidence. Jalen Brown is having an unbelievable season. And I think that Brad Stevens, you have to credit give him credit. What was he offered? He was offered some astronomical amount of money to coach at IU, right? IU, yeah. And, and turned it down. I think it was like 70 mil yeah and he's and wow he said he yeah. owed it to you know danny ainge and the celtic organization to you know bring this team to where he promised or or made that good for him good but for him I can't you, believe man. i've been i've been really like watching them over the you know the last little bit and they're really coming to their own man i think oh, they yeah. struggled early in just identifying like what their roles were going to be who they really were um but i'm a big tatum fan man like oh yeah I'm a huge Tatum fan, and I think he's really coming into that superstar title right now. Yeah, yeah. I, believe I think he's he gets overlooked because he's not as explosive, so he's not mm -hmm. going to have those, you know, highlight real plays every night and uh -huh. and plays like those. But like the it's fact funny. that Go ahead, the does at his size, his length, and just controlling the game, like he's nice, man. Oh yeah, you can't rush. He's like Luca. You can't. He can't rush his tempo, and that's what I love about superstars is when they control the tempo. You can't speed them up. You can't slow them down, and that's those are the most dangerous type of guys. And it was funny because I was reading, you know, all superstars have that one move in their bag. All superstars have the go-to, and his is that sidestep, sidestep kind of fade back jumper, yeah. and it's literally impossible to guard it. What is he six nine? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's reminiscent of Kobe, and we all know that he worked with Kobe that one summer. And you're seeing you're seeing flashes of Kobe of that brilliance. So I I think Tatum's really coming into that superstar role for sure. And I, I, I yeah. No go ahead, Shep. No, I say every time I see him get into that into that move AR, I'm thinking like, oh, how do you what do you do to defend that? You, yeah. you can't defend it. You can't. Even with your best defense, it's almost like KD when KD pulls up into his jump shot at, yeah. at their size, their length, and they elevate at the same time. You oh. can't contest it. So it's really only them and the basket at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's similar to Luca as well. Luca gives up a few inches to those guys, 
But that step back is dangerous because then you can counter it after you hit it a couple times with a pump fake and you're caught dead to rights in midair. So yeah. either way, I mean, there's counters, there's these guys have these moves down to a T and it's literally impossible to guard them at times. The, the other thing with Boston is that they have, like you said, Jalen Brown can step up today. It could be, you know, Kimba tomorrow. They have a number of guys that can hit you, you know, dip into their bag and give you 30 any night. Oh, yeah. So, and I, I think that was a part of their struggle early as well is that who was going to do it. Like they were, they each, each guy wanted to be the one. Um, I think even when, you know, Kimba coming there, there was some expectation for him to be coming off that year he had in Charlotte, um, him to be the guy. But the reality is those two, those two studs on the wing, uh, Jalen and, and Tatum, they were growing into superstars themselves. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a mix of everybody really finding themselves within that, within that team. I, I'm a, a big, I guess, fan or proponent of positioning where you're going to land and who you're going to play, especially that first round matchup. I, I might be way out of line and it might be totally different this year, but I have to think if you were ranking these teams in the East, Boston at worst is in that four or five. But New York and Atlanta have been, have been lingering there. And, and like you said, Andy, Boston's really picked it up. And a win over Phoenix um, on Thursday night really does say that, that they're, they still have to be in the mix. They have to be considered a favorite in the East. Do, do, do they care where they finish this year? Is it, is it important for them to, to get to fourth? I mean, I don't even know if, if home court advantage is, is even going to be a thing in the playoffs this year. But I, I think my question is, are they, are they going to move up in the standings or are we going to see a, a New York Atlanta first round series? I think that's tough to say. I think, you know, Atlanta might be hurting for the next few games. Obviously, it's a really pivotal point in this season for them. But Trey Young went down with, with a lateral ankle sprain. And as we know, those are no joke. Those can range from, you know, two to two to four weeks at, at, at least. So, and obviously, like you said, with a high-caliber player, a superstar like Trey Young, you obviously want to take time with that, knowing the position that you're in. So that could set them back a few games. But I don't see anybody slowing down New York right now. New York is... Uh, the hottest really? team in the league. They, they, you know, they won eight straight. You know, that's the best, uh, the best longest uh, winning streak in the entire league right now. And and Tibbs has them on a roll. Tibbs has completely changed the culture there. He actually had to give the team a blackout day the other day because they were working so hard and guys were trying to get so much work in. You know, post practice, post game. And I think that's that culture is really set by Julius Randle, who who obviously like we had mentioned about Jason Tatum and spent some time with Kobe and it really changed his mental in terms of how he approached the game. You know, as soon as you land somewhere, he's at the gym and that's Tim, that's Tibbs culture. That's, that's the type of Plato he likes to work with in terms of molding his players. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, him setting the precedence, you know, giving locking guys out of the gym, it just goes to show you how bad these guys want it. And you, you see guys like RJ stepping up you see guys like, uh, uh, Emmanuel Quigley stepping up and I think they have a team of really hungry guys and they're going to ride that that winning streak out and, and until, until playoffs start that's the last thing you expect to hear about a, a Tom Thibodeau team mm -hmm. that he he actually yeah. had to say to them guys you're working too yeah. hard I'm giving you a break I mean that yeah. that is mind-boggling for me to process for, for blowing yeah. his legs out in terms of you know work volume <laughs> yeah I mean so. especially compared to the team he had uh, with Minnesota Timberwolves Right. He coached there for a couple of years and 
that yeah. was the exact opposite, right? That that team really didn't give him anything, and now you have the Knicks. You have, to have you have to have right in. You have to have guys with the character for that because when you look at this Knicks roster as well, you have a couple guys that have been chewed up and spit out, mm-hmm. um, and probably have a chip on their sh- chip on their shoulder. Uh-huh. Uh, even even RJ, for example, he's he was left off, you know, all those rookie teams last year that he came in with a bad taste in his mouth and was you yeah. know wanted to prove something. So. Uh, you know, I think they all took on the identity of their coach, but not just because Tibbs came in and enforced it, but because they all had something to prove as well. Um, they're the top four defensive team in the league right now. And again, mm-hmm. that's, that's Tibbs culture, right? Those guys have really bought in. I think that tandem between RJ and, and uh, Randall is, is impressive too, right? Like RJ is starting to understand what, where his role is. He's really shooting the ball well. Uh, again, from from just a, a tactical standpoint, those guys are both left hand left handers. I know AR. That's your big, your big. Oh man, that. that's South the Palmer. biggest. That's yeah. the biggest natural advantage out there. I'm telling right. you, easily. So, and those guys, they're just tough as nails, man. So I think coming down the stretch, they're not going to let up at all because now is when you're going to really hear, you know, the, the headlines and the stories. Uh, just like you know, we're high on Boston and some of the other teams, the, the big name teams right now. These guys have those those games, you know notched off on their calendar they want to make sure to cement their spot in playoffs cement their names as well going sure. on so if anybody's gonna let up be let up right now it's definitely not gonna be the knicks not in new york no not with the the the, the shift in culture and, and the wave that they're riding and let's not forget rj's 20 yeah he's 20 he's become the number two for the new york knicks at 20 years old mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not, not to mention i think that we were talking about you know where the knicks needed to go a couple months ago uh maybe it was at the break and we discussed that RJ needed to really to complete his, his player profile at this point in the season. He needed to step up his shooting percentage from three. I think he was shooting around 32% from three. Over the last three months, he's been shooting 45%. Mm-hmm. So he's making strides in all the areas that he needs to make. And not only that, you know, the Knicks rank, rank third in defensive efficiency and, and first in opponent field goal percentage. So they have all the right chemistry and alchemy right now to make a run and they're not going to beat Brooklyn by any stretch of the imagination, but <laughs> I think they're a very dangerous team going forward. Andy, I am shocked. I'm shocked to hear you talking about the Knicks like this. I mean, you, look, you I, haven't, you haven't been giving them these props at all until today. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I thought that, you know, it really takes a certain special group with thick skin to get past the New York fan base. And I think that's been their Achilles heel, you know, the last however many years, eight, 10 years, you know, with this playoff drought is the expectation that kills them. And I think they have a group of guys who don't give a shit about that. All they want to do is, is come in and work. And Tibbs is the kind of guy who can block out the noise. I've, I've been a fan of Tibbs. I, I, I said immediately when they signed him, the Knicks were going places. Leon Rose is, is, is new management right now. He's, he's definitely, a big part of that shift in culture. And I still don't think that they're going to get to where they need to get to with James Dolan being at the top. I just think that he's mismanaged that organization, obviously not from a monetary standpoint, but from a winning standpoint. Um, And yeah, I have my gripes with New York overall, but at the end of the day, this is a successful organization, you know, for, for years on they're they're the Mecca of basketball for a reason. So I think that, you know, now we're seeing the shift in culture. I'm, I'm with it regardless of my experience with them. Okay. Hey, it's great to hear it, man. And it, it, the league is better off 
when there's a good Knicks team because their fans are as engaged as anyone in the Absolutely. NBA. We're going to take a break on Jim Rats and Joints. When we come back, we're going to look back in some Raptors history and we're going to talk about Steph Curry and the ridiculous. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hot streak he was on. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the show. Going to do some this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. April 23rd, 2000. The first NBA playoff game in team history is played in front of 19,763 fans at Madison Square Garden in New York. The Knicks defending Eastern Conference champions, imagine that, Andy, beat the Raptors 92-88 to take a 1-0 lead in the series. Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston each score 21 for New York. Tracy McGrady drops 25 and 10 rebounds to lead all scorers. Vince Carter finishes with 16 on 3 of 20 shooting. And the curse of game one is established. The Knicks go on to sweep the series 3-0, but the Raptors turn the tables the following year, don't they? Toronto and New York have never met in the playoffs since. This has been this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. Hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H on Twitter. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Rats Pod and rate and review us wherever you're listening today. Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, uh, the, the Raptors returned to their full lineup um, earlier this week. Um, and it looks like they're going for it. Uh, they want to at least get to that play in game. However, they do have some stiff competition still because Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and the Washington Wizards are starting to play well. Um, it looks like the Bulls, despite the uh, acquisition of Nikola, Nikola Vucevic, are, uh, are kind of falling apart. They do have the tiebreaker, though, so Toronto would have to finish a game ahead of them. Guys, who has the best chance to finish in 10th place and squeak into at least a little bit of postseason play? I think, you know, when I obviously we follow the Raptors a bit more closely, and I think what, what's going to hurt them down this stretch here is that just a week ago or two weeks ago in the last two weeks, uh, they're a bit unsure of the direction of the, the club. Were they looking at the, the lottery picks, uh, potentially moving up there, or, you know, a, a playing spot? And I think they, they took the route of let's start to look towards the draft. Uh, and we've seen it because they were playing a lot more of their younger guys, getting them some experience, um, you know, and you could see that they were really thinking about the future. Uh, Kyle was Kyle and Fred had joked in the media a bit about, Hey, like I'm, I'm completely healthy. So it's, it, it was a situation of they're, they're rested, they're healthy. Um, so you could see there was, there was slightly a disconnect between front office and, and players and then coaches in a sense. Now, with that being said, that may have costed them some momentum down the stretch the fortunate thing, which I think made the shift in, in everybody's mind, is the fact that 
um, you know, even playing those young guys, they were pulling out some wins. Uh, they went on to a little winning streak there, which, you know, kept them in the conversation of, of that playing game, which is essentially the worst position you could be in because one, you're not in a place where, Hey, I could actually move up in the lottery and start to look at, you know, somebody that could, could maybe help and change or come in and impact uh, next year. And then secondly, you're really not in a position to make a push and be competitive in this year's playoffs. So worst place to be in, I think at the end of the day, if you're going to be in that 10th, 11th, 9th spot, you might as well go uh, for the playoff push because it's, it's not going to, it's not going to re really make a difference in the NBA lottery, in the NBA draft. I, I mean, I agree. I, it, it, it's a tough spot for them to be in. Yeah. They don't have the chance at the lottery. Um, they are winners of four straight, but Washington's winners of, of six straight. Uh, it doesn't hurt that they lost Denny Abdija with the uh, a fracture in his, in his fibia, uh, but he wasn't really a significant role player for them anyway. He only averaged six points. Uh, but to me, what separates them is, 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 you know, obviously they have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. They have two bona fide superstars who are playing really well at this stretch in the season. Uh, Thomas Bryant, you know, he's, he's averaging 13 points a game and, and Rui Hachimura is, is also right there too. And I think that, you know, the Raptors uh, remaining hope and glimmer was, was their acquisitions of Ken Birch and, and Freddie Gillespie. You know, I think that they really filled the gap that, that, that was missing and, and, and poor Aaron Baines, you know, I think he came into a really tough situation trying to fill the role of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And, uh, you know, he was coming from a system in San Antonio. I mean, it's really tough to come here in, in, a, in, a, new, in a new environment and the championship caliber team to make an impact right away. And I think it was even Adrian Griffin who came out and said, it's nice to finally have bigs. You know, it's, it, that, that's a tough shot to take, you know, especially given that you're a bona fide, so, uh, solidified player in this league, especially with your, with your national team in Australia. Uh, it's no knock on him. I think it's, it's just a really difficult situation to have come into. But, you know, beyond that, I think, I think Ken Burke should stick around for the long term. I think he's, he's a great pickup at, at, a, at a decent price tag. For a, for a Canadian guy <clears throat> to be in this market is something we love to see. Freddie Gillespie just signed his second 10-day. You know, who knows if he'll stick around, but he's, he's, he's a late bloomer at 23. You know, he's still got a lot of uh, years ahead of him of, of, of high productivity. And for a big, he's pretty quick on his feet too. So I think the Raptors have all the things. You know, even if Malachi, his numbers aren't really, really strong at this point in time, I think he looks, he looks efficient. He doesn't look phased out there. I think he's taken his licks, uh, at, at, like his rookie licks, like a professional. I think he's, he's, uh, he's learning every single day and, he, and he's sticking to the course. So learning from guys like Kyle and Fred, I think he's just going to be an excellent protege. I think once Kyle steps out of the spotlight, you know, he's going to slide right into that position that Fred was in a couple years ago and really build on it from there. So I think, the Raptors have a higher upside. I just think at this point in the season, Washington is a more favorable pick for that eight, seven, eight spot. You know, even if the Raptors do get to 10, they're still going to have to play, you know, the number nine team on the road and then seven or eight apologies, um, you know, to play one of the, the contenders, which obviously we know what's going to happen then. So tough spot for them to be in, but I think Washington takes it. I agree. Look at I like what you said there. You just talking about the growth of the team. Uh -huh. We have to, we have to, you know, congratulate Utah, you know, signing his extension. Yeah. For the right. season, right. Right. And I, yep. You know, a guy like that, I'm, I'm excited for him. Happy for him. Um, we've seen him come into, I actually thought we were going to see him in the G league early this season. 
Um, I thought he would have been, you know, somebody sent down to get some reps and just play like bounce around like he did with Memphis. Mm -hmm. But he came in and did all the right things, man. Like he came in defensively. He got after it. Uh, He used his length. He was just always in the right position uh, defensively and and, and created a space for himself. Like I think when coach nurse looked down the bench, you knew that Utah was going to get you a deflection when he got it. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to win you a game, but he wasn't going to hurt possession guy. Yeah. Get you an extra possession. And then from that, he started to grow and really be be able to impact uh, within his minutes and then eventually impact winning. So just to see, and you know what, we actually shouldn't have been surprised by that because he was defensive player of the year in Atlantic 10 in 2018, I believe it right. was. Um, so just to see his growth and where he's coming and now his his offensive game is starting to, is starting to grow. I think he could actually be, uh, you know, a big time rotation guy. To me, he's uh, like a PJ Tucker. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's a get to your spot, knock down your shot, and just defend the hell out of one through four. And I think he's capable of that. And as he gets more confident, I think his offense will start to yeah. will start flow because some of the stuff he's missed a couple chippies here and there. And but it's not they're not bad shots. You could just see if this person was a bit more confident, they're gonna they're uh-huh. gonna be a bit more aggressive and finish. I he's think got he's got a nice stroke. Yeah, he, he looks good from beyond the arc. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's fun. Like it's, it's strange, but I like it's just the fact that he's in Toronto, I, I like when he does his interviews and like you hear his, you hear his accent. Like it's just so uh-huh. representative of like what Toronto stands for, the diversity here as well. So I, even little things like that off the court to me always um, are just meaningful and impactful. But I'm I'm, I'm happy for him, man. I'm, I'm definitely happy for him. There were there were a couple days I looked in at the box score and just incredible to see that youth movement lineup. Um, I feel like I've I've already talked about that, but it was impressive that they did. You know they've strung some wins together. I, I don't know that they were playing the the top uh, competition in the league, but they still got the job done and and it, there's still promise for the future either with those players on the Toronto Raptors or as assets to potentially move. It, I do agree that Washington with their veteran, uh, their veteran roster at the level they're at with Westbrook and Beal and Beal's among the league leading scorers and Westbrook is still dropping triple doubles. But I, I, I think it gives us a chance to re visit the question. And I'm looking at you, Shep, you know, the, the play in, you know, th- this is why I feel like they brought it in and why it had been on the fringes of being experimented with over the last few years. You know, th- there is an opportunity here. I-, I don't think that the Raptors in Washington really could be playing for eighth place right now, but they can play for 10th. And I think it adds a little extra drama going down the last stretch of the season. Do, I guess I'm asking you, Chef. Do you see, you know, are, do you see the value of it now? Is it is it okay to say, you know, the teams in seven and eight, you do have a, a body of work over the season, but now you're going to have to prove it a little bit in in a one game scenario. You know, it could enhance the playoffs for one of Washington or Toronto to steal one of those seven or eight positions. Really, no. I, I still don't see the purpose. Like you, I think those top eight teams, you've done your body of work. We have the best eight teams from the regular season. Every, everybody else go, you got to go fishing and re- But the regular season is just, there've been so many interruptions. I mean, the Raptors lost two, three weeks 
to COVID, right? So did Washington. If we're going to do that, why not just keep it, keep it competitive and just only reward the first two teams and then every the, the other the other six play in? It's there's always going to be a case for for that argument. We have to reward you know your regular season play, uh, and then you know whoever's out is out. Is is the way I see it. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm traditional. Is, but that's a good point, Chef. It is. I, I I would say the only reason why I would say I'm slightly a fan of it is because, like you said, Fred. Uh, Pascal, you know, these guys missed multiple weeks with something that wasn't even a factor, you know, two years ago before they implemented it uh, during the, the bubble last year. Mm-hmm. And these guys are still getting their lungs back. We, we still don't see them at full capacity, even after they fully recovered. So to me, it's just giving teams a second chance at games that they could have recouped. Now to, have to, been, yeah. to contest that, every team is dealing with it. Right. Sure. So it's so don't you think it's like an equal opportunity field in terms yeah, of yeah. because COVID's not picking and choosing who it's gonna attack. It's 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 prevalent for every single team. So here's okay, so here's a flip side to that. Now, if you know we had an eighty-two game season, the full a full length of a season to mm-hmm. for every team to deal with that equally. Mm-hmm. Now let's just say the the eighth place team gets hit with COVID in the play in. Uh-huh. They're actually they're the work that they did in the regular season is actually discredited now completely. Right. So I think it just depends on when you're hit with it. But, but also maybe the teams finishing in seven and eight, I mean, maybe there's already too many teams in the playoffs. And, and I think it's, why should the teams who finish seven or eight in your conference, not even in the entire league, you know, if there's only 15 teams in a conference and you're finishing seven or eight to me, that that's kind of mediocre anyway. So why why are we assessing a, a, a different value to it or, or the same value as the teams that finished one through six? Like, if you're so good, go finish in the top six and then you can avoid this, this play-in game. I, I just think that the play-in game is really just meant for to add a little extra drama to the season to prevent certain teams from tanking. I think that was the real point behind it. I think it's just a wide window, if that's the case, too wide of a window. If that, if that, if we're rewarding, then it has to be to, it can be, it has to be far left or far right. So we reward the the first two teams and say, Hey, you're out of the equation. Now the other six play in or the other eight play in or, or, you know, I guess this route here, I'm not a fan of it. I just think, you know, there's, you could be in a situation where your, your 10th seeded team, you know, their record is completely, um, you know, losing a losing team, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're going up against an eighth place team. And then in the East and the West, you have, there's sometimes where there's some years where you have that eighth seeded team. That's a game away from, you know, a fourth seed. And then your 10th seed is a team that could probably be, in a lottery in the, you know, looking at, looking at the lottery. So I think there's too far of a gap um, to really keep it going, but we'll, we'll see. Who am I? I Well, you're, you're a guy with an opinion. Yeah. You're entitled to it. At the end of the day, I just think it's, it's, it's leveling out the playing field. Obviously it does give a a bit of a, an alternative ending. Obviously, you know, we're doing some experimentation in the CBL with the Elam ending. I think it does give, the fans a little bit something more to look forward to to make it a you know an NCA style kind of you know winner go home situation. But at the end yeah, of the day, dramatic. yeah, COVID is the great regulator at the moment, you know, and and yeah. and I think it takes those two weeks that the Raptors really could have had all the guys in their core group together, and 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 it 
kind of strips them of those wins. Let's say for a team like who they're on equal footing, you know, if they have a full healthy roster like Miami, like Charlotte, who have weren't affected by COVID whatsoever, and they're sitting in eight and seven respectively. So I think it gives them that opportunity to kind of level that those games missed and 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 the better team at that point in time with a full healthy roster can so, advance on. Question for you, because I'm looking at this on the other on the other side. I would actually if we're going to do it one way, um, eight through, what is it? Eight through 10 uh-huh. play in for that last spot. Uh-huh. I would, I would actually think, okay, let's, let's compete that way. Um, but in, let's just say we're in, you know, our, our perfect world back to some normalcy. Are you still in favor of this, of no. this? Um, okay. So, okay. So no. it's just, I think it's given, I think it's a great thing given the situation. I don't think it would be something that would be beneficial. Let's say COVID wasn't a thing going forward, which it obviously will be. But I think for a regular COVID-free NBA season, it does discredit. Everybody's on an equal playing surface in terms of injuries and and, and rest and all that stuff. But there's no extenuating circumstance that would actually limit teams from winning. So I think that... Okay, so I thought thought you guys were saying in a regular season, you would like... Okay. I, mean, I don't know how you. Yeah. Do you feel the same way, DJ? In, in, in an 82 game season, I'm I'm I am more traditionalist, and okay. I I okay. might. Well, no, we're on the same page. Then. We're on the same. Page. Well, but I I do think we we need to see. You know, I, Andy, I think did did you mention NCAA tournament? You know, when when the NCAA expanded to that first four. You know, when it went from 64 to 68, uh-huh. I, I was like, eh, really? Yeah. Do you, do you really have to do this? But then you started to see teams make their runs right like even this year ucla ended up being one of the best teams in in college basketball by the old rules they would wouldn't have even been in it you know they were uh, i think an 11 seed playing in the first four so i don't know i i think we'll see we'll see what happens this year and look i would love to see I don't, I don't know if it, it's mathematically possible. I would love to see a Washington, Toronto, nine, 10, you know, winner take all. Well, at least winner goes on to play the winner of seven and eight. But I, yeah. I think it would be really cool to just include those teams for that one extra game and see who can, uh, who can take it, you know, take it to the, to the next level. And then you assess at the end of the year and see if it's something you want to do moving forward. Guys, we, I, we got to talk about Steph Curry. Last 10 games, averaging 39 points. He's shooting 47% from three. Um, I don't think he has a lot of help on his team. And they are on the fringe of being in the playoffs. Talk about the you know, play-in. They might be in the 9-10 slot, and they might have to win or go home in, in a, a single game scenario mm-hmm. to me. I want to ask you, we've all watched Steph Curry for years. He, he's one of my favorite players of all time, but the question now is, is he, is, is, is this peak? Is this prime Steph Curry was, is he better than he was even four or five years ago when the warriors were winning championships and he was the MVP of the league. I think it's different situations, right? Like his backs, that team's backs against the wall right now. So he's doing, you know, there's a guy playing out of desperation to get his team into a position to, uh, you know, be a playoff team. So I, would I say he's at his peak? No, I think he had, you know, in 2015, I think he had a similar season, really good season. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, those, was it 2017, 
2018 with their back-to-back championships. They have, you know, three, three, chi- three chips within four years. I think those were, were prime years because he was doing a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, to say he's at his peak now just based on stats, no. I just think it's a situation and where the, where the team is right now. Um, and, and that's what you want. Like, that's what you want from your leader because uh, it would be easy for him to lay down and say, look, I'm not playing for this I'm not, I'm, and bow out. But, you know, the competitor in him, and that's what you want as from your best player. Now, when you get back, you know, your full team, it's a complete different different roster. It's a complete different situation. And you have to think, like, him and Clay have spent years together um, and built that chemistry and understood how to play off of each other. Now you're learning how to, how to play with guys. There's a lot of new pieces. Um, so I, I just think we're seeing, he's not doing anything different. We knew he had the ability to make crazy shots and shoot the basketball, knows how to score. Um, but stays at his peak now. Not I would yet. agree with that. I would agree with that. I think, I think he's in a very similar situation as, as Kobe was when he was in, with his last year with the Lakers. I mean, he's playing with a, a, bona, a glorified team of, of, of journeymen and, and, and roster players right now. Uh, and this is coming from a guy who's used to having, you know, full chemistry, Clay Thompson, you know, Draymond, a healthy Draymond, um, you know, Andre Iguodala, which was, a, you know, they, they're really missing his absence this year as well. So he's, you know, in 2015 and 16, like Shep was alluding to, he was 40, 50, 90. I don't think that, I think that's peak Steph Curry, in my opinion. 40, 50, 90 is that elite club. We've seen Steve Nash get there twice. Uh, in terms of volume and scoring right now, it is definitely peak Steph Curry. You know, he's averaging 31, which is a career high for him. Uh, but he's also, you know, averaging almost 12 threes a game, which is also a career high. And he, he knows the workload that he has to take on it. You know, it's, it feels seemingly meaningless, but what I love about Steph, and I think this is what separates him from most superstars outside of Russell Westbrook, is that he's not taking any nights off. I mean, he's, he's really bought in. He's, he's not in it for the fluff. You can see him, he's, you know, they're playing games against, uh, you know, Portland or, or Minnesota. You know, they might be down at halftime, and he's giving teams, you know, pep talks, and you can visibly see him upset with the effort that these guys are putting in, and that's coming from an elite-level superstar in Steph then who are you to not put in effort? You know, who, who are you to be Jordan Poole and not put in effort or, or James Wiseman and have attitude? I just think what separates him is that he may be the most unselfish. I don't know what your guys' opinion is. He might be the most unselfish superstar in NBA history. And I think he's- I definitely, I definitely agree with that, Andy. I mean, he, he took a back seat when yeah. Durant came in, right? Yeah. I mean, it was Steph's definitely. team- and he kind of he kind of stepped back. I just think what what we're seeing it it is a lot like that year you you referenced it. I think the year Kobe Bryant averaged like thirty five points a game. I think it was the year of the the eighty one point game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you know Steph is doing what he has to do, and it makes you wonder if he could have been doing it all along, or maybe it wouldn't have helped the team if if he was playing that way. But to me, the the point that here he is in his twelfth season. I think he's thirty three years old. And he's basically at the level, if this isn't his prime, he's at the same level he was at during his prime. How many more years is this guy going to be able to go? I mean, are we looking at another three, five, seven years of him cranking 12 three-point shots a game. I mean, that, that Larry Bird, that was, you know, 12 three-point attempts. That was three weeks. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and Steph is doing it per game. And he's, he's just dropping bombs from 30 feet. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any slowing this guy down. I mean, how many more years can he do this? 
think the way he plays isn't taxing on his body. So you're probably going to see Steph playing at this level, um, you know, at least five more years, I would say. And Chef, uh, I don't know if you can uh, speak on this. When we entered our 30s, I felt like the game got a lot easier. Easier. So much easier. easier. Interesting. You have, you have the mindset. You have the ability to pick apart plays. You have the ability to understand when to rest and when to utilize yep. your energy. So he's, he's 31. I say he's got about five more years of playing at a really, really high level because his body doesn't show signs of, signs of slowing down right now. And he doesn't use like, – he's not dependent on – athleticism he's not dependent on and, and he has a you know has a pretty slender uh figure as well which yeah. counts for something i think you know guys like that uh and then you know also early on in his career he had a lot of ankle injuries he's been you know fairly healthy since outside of um, fractured yeah. and fractured what was it wrist last year and i believe that that could have been just them protecting their investment oh 100 percent. Um, i mean he only played five games right so wrist. come on so you know the fact that he had he's a shooter a natural shooter um, and just natural ability and a lot of skill uh, and, and, you know, a slender figure and doesn't really rely on his body to, you know, get him through. He's going to be doing this for a while, man. So, and that, and they always say like father time is inevitable, but uh, from, from a basketball standpoint, basketball player, the, sh the shot is the last thing to go. But you, but you know what helps too is, is you see the chemistry that he and Draymond have on the floor. Mm -hmm. It saves him so much energy knowing where he can pick and choose the spots. Like you would think Draymond is, is, is going to come down and, and, and set a pin down when really he's setting, you know, a back door or, yeah. or, or, you know, he's setting stuff up for a play that you're not even going to see two trips down the floor. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's where him and KD really lost each other with, mm -hmm. with, with the chemistry, because I don't know if you remember when Draymond was dribbling down the floor and KD wanted that shot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I fuck. I forgot who they were playing. Um, they went to the huddle. Cleveland? Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were always playing Cleveland. Draymond, Draymond dribbled down. You know, obviously KD wanted the ball in his hands, but he, him and Steph run that play five, six times a game, where where Draymond will drive the lane, and it's the best look for a shooter when the ball is coming back at you and you have a view of the hoop. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a very strategic play. And I think Draymond was looking for that. And, and KD was like, nah, motherfucker, I need the ball in my hands. Where Let me get Steph this. Let me knows. get my bag. Steph already knows because they have that chemistry. So in me saying that, I think it saves him a lot of effort and work in terms of creating his own shot. Mind you, he's one of the best in doing that in the entire league as it is. But to have guys understand and help him get to those points, oh my goodness, he could do this for 10 more years at this rate. And then you, you throw Clay back in the mix. And right? Then you throw Clay That's back right. And, and so with Clay back next year, are the Warriors back in the mix? Automatic Do they have enough? Automatic. I think because we're going to see, I... see the evolution of James Wiseman. There's no doubt that they're going to take advantage of, of, of you know, the, uh, the buyout market. I think they're going to add yeah. a couple significant yeah. pieces. And, and like, Wiggins, well, Wiggins and Ubre have probably been disappointments this year. Let's not forget what Andrew Wiggins just is the first Canadian to score what twenty thousand. Yeah, I think you know. Yeah, he's so but he's never played for a winning team. Never. But look, at the end of the day, I think he gets way more criticized than he actually should. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been consistent at twenty points a game for his entire career. That's that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think to meet the expectations. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know about Wiggins, guys. I, I why? So if if why? Okay, why are we so hard on him? Because he was the number one pick. Or? Yes, that is that is part of the reasons. But I oh, but I think the there were such big expectations but for him. I mean, he right. hasn't even been an All Star. But that's the problem right there. Ex- we were disappointed by expectations that are placed upon him. When you look at what he's actually doing, he's one of the elite players in the league. And Steve Nash didn't reach that that mark. He's the first Canadian to reach ten thousand in the league. Steve Look, it, it's a, it's. I mean, his guys, it's work is. It's crazy. definitely, it's definitely an accomplishment, but he hasn't won. He ha- has he even played a, a playoff game. I know that, dude. Everybody of- that goes to Minnesota dies. Their career. Look at what happened <laughs> to Dio. Look what happened to Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl is done. Like, but he hasn't. He hasn't really game. done much this year either. It, it seemed like a huge opportunity for him with the Warriors, and we just haven't seen him. I think that's the expect, opportunity. We're expect, we're expecting Wiggins to be a superstar. He's not he's not a superstar, and that's fine. Not everybody is is going to be. Not everybody's meant to be. If he's the best in his role, he's accomplished a lot more than than any of us. So I oh, think yeah. he's yeah. have the credit. Well, than us, sure. But compared to the rest of the league, and well, he's he's been a twenty point twenty. Even point his draft year, I mean, he was taken ahead of his college teammate Joel Embiid. You know, Embiid has lived. Oops, I was on mute. Yeah. Um, what, what I was saying there was uh, Wiggins was the number one pick. His his college teammate, Joel Embiid, I think was the number three pick that year. Embiid has lived up to the expectations of, of being a high lottery pick. And I, I'm not saying Wiggins is, is a bad pro. He's, you know, he's, it's great, but it's not remarkable. And he hasn't impacted winning on any of the teams he's been on. And I thought he just had a, a huge opportunity this year with Golden State. And I just feel like he hasn't seized okay, it. But then that is also, that's, instead of us, you know, weighing in on the expectations, maybe the problem is the people that are evaluating the talent. He wasn't what he wasn't what we're expecting or what they expected. So it's not that he's not an impactful player. It's that the expectations and the evaluations may have been wrong. There's, you know, there's that way to look at it as well. Absolutely, for sure. Because when you're looking at it from a statistical standpoint, he's an elite player in the, in this league. You just love to see the teams that he's on win more. That that's really all I'm all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that he's only missed ten games in his entire career, and he's 24 years old. Think about he's that only 24? He's 24 years wow, old. Wow, okay. That just goes to show you what kind of expectations he's been dealing with since he came into the league. At 24 years old, it's no wonder why Golden State took a look at him and was like, yeah, we want <laughs> that guy. He's averaging 20 points a game, and he hasn't even peaked yet. So I think – Nowhere near his if, peak. You know, I think you have – there's there's – I think you have to get rid of that mentality that he had in Minnesota. If you go to a contender, it's going to take some time. Like, look at Kelly Oubre. He's going from Phoenix to Golden State. His transition's been rough, too, because he doesn't know how to win. I mean, he had a taste of it at the bubble. They won eight games, ten games, whatever. But you're at a place now where you're expected to win as opposed to just going out and dropping numbers. So I think there is is some value in having a player like that and and bringing him along to a culture that knows how to win. Phoenix is definitely better off without Oubre. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very clear. (laughs) Okay, uh, guys, uh, always just a blast talking uh, basketball with you. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review us on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 
We're on social media at Jim Rats Podcast. Thank you to our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. You can follow him on social at Dan Wong says. He also produces and appears on the podcast Footy Prime. He's on Saga 960. This guy is everywhere. Javon Shepard is also everywhere. Uh, North Courts on CBC. You can follow Shep on social at Javon Shepard. Um, he's verified on Instagram. Uh, Andy Routens, the assistant general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks, is on Instagram at Andy Routens. I'm Dan Gladman. You can find me on social at DG on the road. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back to do another basketball chit chat next week. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex ultra soft tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.